FinTech Hunting is hosted by Michael Hammett, JD, CMT, keynote speaker, author, and founder and president of Next Level Advisors. Join Michael as he seeks out tech visionaries, leading lenders, trailblazing executives, and other financial influencers to bring you actionable insights and lead generation tactics, all centered around industry greatness and success. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a new episode of the FinTech Hunting Podcast. We've got an amazing guest for you today. He doesn't need an intro, but he's going to sure as hell get one. He's an industry thought leader, a tech innovator. He's got a wealth of industry and lending technology experience. He's got videos. He's a speaker, and he is a dear friend. Please help me welcome back to the show, Kevin Peranio, Chief Lending Officer at PRMG. KP, welcome back. Thank you, brother. You know, I love being on FinTech Hunting. Uh, fresh off a hunt, New Orleans, Miami Brickle, a Miami trade show, and then two more nights in South Beach. You know, we're, we're on the hunt out there. It's, uh, it's a new year. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. You <laughs> always have great insets, insights. So what were some of the observations? What are the things that lenders are talking about? What are the vendors kind of promoting? Where's the industry at right now? Well, it was it was a good vibe in New Orleans um, at the the Mortgage Banker Association to kick off the year with their independent mortgage banker show, the IMB show, and uh, this year was in New Orleans. And um, I did a little scouting trip in New Orleans on New Year's for the Sugar Bowl. My Longhorns back here, they they freaking lost. But um, I was uh, I was half dreading going back to New Orleans because, as you know, um, it's go go go. It's late nights. It's lots of heavy foods. Um, Came back from the Sugar Bowl uh, weighing the most ever weight in my life and immediately went on a five-day fast. Um, lost 12 pounds. I weighed myself this morning. I'm still nine pounds down from New Year's Eve, so I'm feeling good about yeah, that. That's awesome. Yeah, even even got this little Schmedium shirt on. Uh, but the vibe was good. The vibe is good. It's a new year, and um, I was saying it like almost immediately when I got there on uh, not just Monday night but all day Tuesday. You know, the people that go to these conferences, they're diehards. They're not going anywhere. We're all in. We're trying to build our businesses no matter what the industry throws our way. And so uh, the vibe obviously is a little better than um, Philly, the national convention the NBA puts on, because, you know, you're in October, uh, you're in the height of mortgage interest rates. They've gotten up to 8%. You know, um, I've only been in the business about 23 years, but October was the highest I've ever seen rates, ever. And um, I know those people are like, oh, I remember when, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but I don't care. Like, I never saw it worse than that. <laughs> and, and, and it'd been 23 years since it had gotten that high, right? And so... So the mood in Philly, you know, people started saying survive to 25, and I hate that. I hate negativity. I and Oh, I hate it. First of, all, first of all, I know things that, that rhyme. You know, people get real catchy, and they want to say it. Uh, but that's a commercial real estate thing. That is um, – that has – that survive to 25 is a saying that comes out of the commercial real estate market, which they have some real um, issues to deal with. You know, 19% occupancy in Class A building. You've got – you know, certain areas are overbuilt. Loans coming due, um, you know the numbers might not work out. So those are non-recourse loans. They just keys get handed back to to the banks. And so is that going to create a regional banks? Now to be fair, there are some of those regional banks that are in our business. They're part of our intermediaries or lenders. They're part of the uh, warehousing structure. So you know for them to be worried about it, I get it. As an independent mortgage banker, we do mortgages. That's it. We're in the communities. 
We're we're building people's uh, you know wealth, multi generational wealth, and we're trying to get uh, first time home buyers into a home. So yeah, we all got problems, right? And so uh, we don't want to hear about that commercial real estate problem, uh, you know, as an IMB. And so with rates coming down since that convention and locks up and like noticeably January, everyone's saying this January is going to be better than last January and it's new Orleans and it's the independence. It was a really good vibe. So, um, I thought it was pretty cool. And, uh, and you know, just, it felt good from the onset, you know, as soon as we landed in new Orleans. Excellent. Well, as we talk about, there's more optimism. What are some of the opportunities that you see in today's market? Are there any challenges that we still got to be on the lookout for uh, as we come roaring through in, in 24? Well, you know, um, they, you know, bulls and bears, right? You know, uh, positive or negative. You know, how do you how do you look? What's your outlook on, you know, our industry, on life, on the markets? Um, you know, bulls seem to, you know, uh, climb a wall of worry, right? Like, I'm worried that we're not going to make money because we didn't just make as much as we wanted to the last year and a half or two years. I'm worried that, you know, inflation could come back. I'm worried that the Fed could be like, like, yeah, yeah, we all got worries, right? Okay, yeah. great. Like, you know, no problem. List them, get it off your chest, but then let's get back to work. Let's go build our business. Let's get new business. Let's go hunting for something that's going to help us build. So I think people are still kind of worried about costs and their cost conscience. Um, every time I've gone through this part of the cycle, um, I noticed that a lot of C-level executives, um, you know, for the first six months of this year, we just want to get back to making some money. Uh, we don't want to hire and lean in and overbuild again. You know, we just came out of that overbuilding uh, phase in 2020 and 2021. Still kind of deleveraging down from that, if you're being honest. So I think people just want to, like, get back to, like, you know, taking a you know, uh, sigh of relief, you know, having a good market that's giving to us and we're producing in return – and, um, and, but as it relates to like, you know, technology and new initiatives, you know, there are those that continually invest, you know, which is something that we always do. We're constantly investing, constantly trying to find something and build for the future, especially if you have a long-term vision. And there's some that wait for the market to get back before they decide to invest. And that's okay too. I mean, everyone has to do what's right for their own mindset and their own business. There's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of movement out there. Um, I, uh, I like to say, you know, recruiting season, um, it's, it's almost over, you know, um, you know, as it relates to the origination front, um, you know, some people will argue, well, it's not a recruiting season. You're always recruiting. Yeah. There's always, you're always recruiting. You're always talking, but But when are you hiring? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the peak time when someone, uh, is going to leave their company, it's not like in the middle of April and May when they're busy up to their eyeballs. It's not when the Fed just cut the rate and all these rates are going like crazy and all the stuff you've built to have your platform to catch it off that moment, years of building into it, like you don't want to leave that at that moment. You leave it when the down cycle first starts. And so uh, there's still lots of recruiting. Uh, there's some companies out there that uh, you know are making movements. Um, I, I think it's, it's, it's public to address now. Um, you know, One such is Draper and Kramer. Uh, great company, storied history. Um, in the Chicago area, I mean, you know, not not. You know, I'm sure you know, you know, people there. Um, yep. Fantastic company. For whatever reason, their leadership wants to make a pivot and do something different and focus on other things. And so now you have all these, you know, great originators and great branch managers and leaders, you know, who are like, all right, you gotta go find a home in 30 days, right? And so, um, you know, so they're gonna look to platforms, you know, that are all in. You know, look for platforms that can scale and build and take them on immediately. And, um, and that's something that, you know, um, you know, our colleagues, they didn't ask to be put in this position and it just happened and it's not going to be the last, there's going to be more, there'll be more people, um, who's, you know, 
owners are, you know, maybe they're maybe they're getting older, you know, they're getting their 60s, late 60s, 70, you know, and they're like, hey, I'm done. Like, you know, I'm good yep. here. And you just never know that, you know, what opportunity is going to be around there. So it's why you got to constantly be building your platform and be ready for these opportunities when they come up. So I do think there's still uh, tons of opportunity as it relates to technology um, in fintech. Um, there's a lot of movement out there. I was, you know, you know, generally the um, venture capital money, um, you know, kind of slows down when the Fed starts to tighten. Um, I wouldn't say it's locked down. Um, I don't know if you know, I'm 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 a, a strategic advisor for Rice Park Capital. Yep. Um, take that hat off that hat off as part of the uh, advisory board. I'm also a limited partner, so I've got money committed to that fund, and um, we're looking. That deals constantly. We're constantly seeing things come our way. We're investing in a couple deals here and there. Um, I think it's uh, public knowledge uh, that um, some money got put into Candor and Perlin, and um, you know there's eight more deals that are going to come. So um, you know, uh, so so this, it's it's starting to kind of unlock. You know, um, and I'm not saying it's because of the Fed, but the Fed made a. I don't think I can overstate this enough. The Fed themselves, who you know, they're not always right about the timing of their actions. But once they finally say they're going to do something like we're going to start raising rates, we're going to stop raising rates, we're going to start to cut rates. When they say they're going to do it, they do it. Right. On December 13th, they said in the year 2024, there will be 75 basis points of rate cuts. And so that is a massive shift. They're not, they're not lying. You know, they actually said it. They could have they lied any time along the way. But they said, hey, progress is made so much so that we're willing to say – it's sometime in the next 12 months in 2024, we're going to cut rates by 75 basis points. That could change. Uh, my guess is it would probably go up. The number would probably go higher. We're more than sufficiently restrictive. And so the reason why that's such a monumental change, this is not to get into when the Fed's going to cut, this, and that, and the other, is what it says to the market is that the liquidity drawdown, the liquidity crunch, straining liquidity, tightening, quantitative tightening, that cycle will be coming to an end, and it's coming to an end sooner than we were previously saying. And so um, whether they start to you know, maybe uh, stop selling as much bonds and selling off as much mortgage-backed securities and cut the Fed funds rate to make money supply start to grow again and be less restrictive, they've said that. And that actually impacts a lot of what goes on. We buy and sell money. A mortgage is just a mortgage-backed security with you know uh, the buyer making the payment into the security with the land and home as collateral. And the secondary market is cold, heartless, and unforgiving. And so if the secondary market is going to start to unfreeze and get a little more liquidity, that's a good thing. That's a good thing for venture capital. It's a good thing for fintech, prop tech. Liquidity is what makes the world go round. Credit is what makes it go, uh, the world go round. And so that signal is a massive shift. The timing of it, how quickly it happens, we can debate about all that. It's kind of yeah. fun to do that. <laughs> but the trajectory has changed. So things are going to be better in 2024. I love it. And you always have so many good insights from that perspective. Let's talk. You've talked tech a little bit. One of the things that I love about you as a lender is you're always looking at tech. You know new solutions. You're looking at proven ones. Talk to me a little bit about what are some of the things that you're looking at from a tech perspective that you think will have an impact in the market in 2024? Is there certain areas of tech? Is there certain types of tech that you think are really going to kind of explode in 24? So I, I still think that right now, because we're not fully out of the, the, the worst part of the cycle, I mean, it's, it's less bad, right? So right. there's still kind of this heightened 
um, prioritization on getting deals in the door? How do you get up funnel on the sales funnel? How do you get to borrowers first? How do you have them find you on social media? You know, how do you have them, you know, whether it's social coach or, you know, whether it's, you know, some kind of technology where it's a website, you know, you got a good website and you can see them, you're, you're actually spending some money. And remember when rates come down, it gets a little bit more consumer direct ask for every originator, even if you're a traditional originator, right? So there's just more eyeballs out there. They're coming, right? When the Fed cuts the rates, we know that every, just your average bar is like, oh, the Fed cuts the rates. That means the interest rates are going down. Well, that's generally actually true. Um, I mean, you know, even <laughs> though it's not, not a one. Right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's not a one-to-one correlation, right? I mean, they said on December 13th, they're going to cut next year. And rates came down right that moment. So, um, you know, and by a significant amount, actually. So, um, but they are likely to come down again even more. But just that press that's out there that the Fed is going to cut. Whenever that happens, that will bring a lot of eyeballs. That'll bring a lot of attention to our business. So what kind of systems in place? What kind of technology are you using to do social selling? You know, um, the MBA um, uh, asked me to uh, uh, moderate a panel um, in New Orleans at the uh, at the IMB. So we had um, uh, Ashley, Allie, and Greg were on there with me, and uh, we talked about, um, you know, just social selling in general, some practices that are working um, for our team, some tips and some tricks and stuff like that. Um, and, um, you know, my takeaway was, uh, you know, and this is something I've been saying for a while, you know, you, you, you get what you put into something, right? Like I know a lot of people who are on social media will say, um, well, it's free so I can just put my phone in front of my face and I can, you know, put a video out there. And when I put it out there, then the loans will come in. Um, and that's generally, uh, okay. And it's not a bad start, but as you know, like what we're doing, you know, we're investing some time. We're putting together a nice piece of content. We're recording our conversation. We're trying to provoke each other with thought. And then we're sharing it willingly with our audience. And um, that may make an impact on someone in our audience, may grow our audience, uh, may give someone an idea where they share back with us. And then we all get stronger together in kind of this collaborative vibe. Um, And that's not free, right? Um, If you talk about social media. Um, but you know, when you invest a little bit more, maybe into some technology to help you post a little bit better, or maybe into some video editing, you know, Kevin said, um, too many times. So I had to have my editor spend a couple minutes and, you know, knock that out and make this a good video that people would actually listen to, you know? So whatever the case may be, um, one of my takeaways from that session is that social selling, you know, you get what you put into it. And this is one of those moments that's coming up where there'll be a lot of eyeballs coming into our space, looking for information from originators who teach financial literacy at scale, and they'll want to get, a, get in touch with us, especially if we're local. And so now's the time to invest in those kinds of things so when those eyeballs do flood our market, you're capturing your fair share or even more than you ever have uh, before in your career. So that was, a, that was a great takeaway. That was an initiative and um, tied into um, the panel that we had um, in New Orleans. Talk to me about AI, right? There's a lot of buzz about AI where do you see AI being implemented? Where do you still think it is is still kind of too premature or lenders aren't ready to invest in it? Where do you think it's having the greatest impact right now? Um, well, you know, just to, for about a year, it's been really popular, right, to talk about AI since um, ChatGPT really came on the scene. So, so that's a large language model. So what it does is it collects data from all over and it helps us kind of um, say things in a way, get through writer's block. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, it helps us 
basically work on content, get information. My Google search now on my phone, um, everything that it responds to me when I ask it a question is all generative AI. And so it's all large language model stuff. Um, it, it, it's not, you know, um, true, you know, intelligence, right? It's not, you know, generative where it's, it's thinking, not, not yet. There's some rules that you place in there and you kind of set some things free. Um, but look, I mean, I, you know, we're a Microsoft shop, so you're starting to see AI inside our teams. Um, I just told you about our, um, you know, uh, the chat and our Google search. You're yep. um, starting to see it in some, um, social media apps that use it to help you, um, you know, uh, create content if you're coming up with ideas like Social Coach or whoever else out there. And so it's about saving time. It's about coming up with information um, using artificial intelligence, and it's getting better. Um, I do think it will help with underwriting. I think it will help with task automation. Um, I think it will help with uh, task routing. Um, I think that it's 24-7. It never quits. Um, you know, we're a capacity shop. We've been on capacity uh, for many years, and um, that chatbot has been gathering information within our walls for uh, for several years now, answering questions super quick, um, routing people to different places. So um, there's, a, there's a lot of time saving and AI is only going to continue to get better. And um, um, I, I, don't, I can't predict the future because, you know, obviously mortgage is so, uh, once, once the loan comes in the door, it's still kind of archaic, you know, there's a lot of paperwork in there and especially on the, you know, the, you know, the manual underwrites, if it's a government loan, we're, we're doing the harder loans in the harder neighborhoods and we're trying to serve the underserved. So I think like some of the you know repetitive tasks are going to continue to get worked on, um, whether it's in your imaging system or your document ingestion system, or um, you know it's gathering data you know from this point, this point, this point. You know, um, you know we uh, we use uh, Halcyon for API uh, uh, IRS data, so we're grabbing information straight from the IRS, getting information back you know in like a heartbeat, as opposed to sending a forty five hundred six and waiting a day or two and that manual process mapping those data fields, putting it right inside the LOS, cranking out the information, getting your uh, income calculated. So you can go back to your bar and say, hey, you know, I've got this thing proved. I've run it through AIM, through Freddie Mac's LPA, or Day One Certainty through Fannie Mae's DU. And, uh, you know, it, remember we've been talking about this since 2016, you know, on the push button, get mortgage commercial. That's you know, right. there's going to be a day where you never have to ask a bar to get bank statements or pay stubs. Uh, but we're not quite there, but we keep getting closer every day. And all that stuff just makes for a better experience. And so I, I do think AI continues to build into our business. Um, it is an incremental change. We're a very archaic, slow-moving uh, you know, business as a whole. But there's a lot of us that are on the forefront that are pushing for these things and trying to make sure that we you know, pull them into our workflows and just save time because time is the one commodity where I want the most ROI on. We don't get any of that time back. Um, you know, RIP Dave Stevens, you know what I mean? It's a big talking point right. at the IMB. You're like, you know, you're talking to him and I'm messaging him at the end of the summer, telling him how much I thanked him. And then three weeks later, you know, he's no longer with us. Like you don't know how much time you have here. You don't know how much time you have to work on the things you work on. And these kinds of things, these gains in perspective on life and on your colleagues and on your business, that's where AI is going to come in and help us. It's going to help us with medicine. It's going to help us fucking beat cancer. It's going to help us with our workflows. It's going to help us with so much stuff. It just takes a little bit of time, but I think it's going to happen a lot quicker than most people think. I would agree completely. And I think it's going to come up incrementally. You're going to find it in different pockets of where people are getting if, if, uh, biggest uplift. You know, content creation, people can get a quick uplift there. I always say there's two key components if you're going to be successful. You got to be a master at prompts. 
And then you got to know how to personalize it. Otherwise, it just sounds like it came from an AI engine and everything. Because you're so involved in tech and lending and understanding the economic factors and everything like that. And I love how you talk about early on, some lenders are not going to be investing heavily into tech until they know really the market is turning. What are some tips? What are some advice? How do you vet technology? And if a vendor was going to get you to say, yeah, hey, I should take a look at it. How do you, what do you do? How do you factor in and weigh whether I should take the time and make it a priority to vet this tech or to be honest with you, I don't have time really right now and let's talk in six or eight months. Yeah. And that's a perspective that every business has to decide. Like, um, you know, are they, are they still in cost cutting mode and maybe they don't want to invest in tech. I mean, people could see it if they work there, right. If they're not trying to continually show new tools and new things and offer new ways to do business and be on the you know forefront. Um, and so, but again, you know, not every company has to do that. You know, they may have top producers that, you know, aren't interested in that. You know, they're maybe more interested in, you know, some other value proposition that like they're building out their non-QM channel or, um, you know, they're working on training or whatever the case may be, helping develop business, you know, whatever it may be. Every every business leader has to manage their own business in what they see fit. Um, now, having said that, um, you know, the, it, if you're if you're being choosy, because you aren't investing in so many different things, that's that's actually a good thing too. Then you can, you know, 10x down on the few things that you do decide uh, to work on incrementally. And so um, I think most old school C-level executives are looking for ROI. They're looking for a return and they're looking for a monetary return. And, um, you know, it it's sometimes hard to measure that. You know, it could be like... Um, you spend X on this new initiative because your top producers are asking you for it, and it's a retention tool to keep your top production. Right. Right? And so you may not say, I bought this software, I did this, I got this loan and in return. It could be, I bought this, I implemented it because my top producers asked me, and they stayed here, and they didn't leave. And so, uh, you know, that that's ROA. You know, that, there's ROA right. there as well. Um, I built this tech. It helped me save um, time and money on this certain process, and that's a win for the overall enterprise when it comes to profitability. There are a lot of different ways to measure that, and um, you know, you do such a good job of coaching people how to just, you know, it does really start with basics. Like, write down your goals. What what were you trying to achieve in 23? What did you achieve? What did you fail at? Okay, you know, do you want to move those things forward into 24? What is your new goal? Does this goal involve anything that has to do with investing in technology or investing in a new initiative or investing in your people? And then try and kind of get those aligned and work your way into it. Yeah, it's the end of January here. We're going into February at the end of the week. Um, but it's not too late to be doing this stuff. Right. And, uh, it's never too late. You know, it, it. You know, we all get very busy. We're, at, we're about to get really busy with spring purchase season. And, of course, eventually with 75 basis points in Fed rate cuts sometime this year or more. Um, and, and a pickup uh, in conferences. Uh, hopefully I'll get to break some bread with you at ICE. Got housing Definitely. wire annual, and I mean, and the list could go on and on. There's going to be uh, probably another half dozen to a dozen more conferences in the next two months. Uh, so hopefully, we'll get to see each other in person. All right, I got one last question. It's very important. I want to make sure that I get to this question. You're a Texas guy. You're in Austin. Best go-to barbecue in Austin? Oh man, well. I think I think the easy one to say right now is Franklin Barbecue if you are into beef brisket. So yep. you you have you have to be into beef brisket. Um there's a lot of good ones. I mean, 
I mean, honestly, like Lambert's downtown is a fantastic place to go. Just grab like a nice meal and they have good barbecue. You could be in the JW Marriott and go. To, I think they have a um, uh, either either Blacks or Coopers right there without having to drive all the way out to Lockhart. So there's a bunch of good ones. Franklin's an experience. Give me waiting in line. You know, they got coffee there. It's almost like a tailgate, right? I mean, I, I sat there and, and you wait a couple hours and everyone's like, when we were there for NBA annual a couple years and people are like, you're crazy. Was it worth it? And every time it's a resounding yes for me, it was worth it. The brisket <laughs> is the best I've ever had. Uh, well, here here in Southern California, um, my kids uh, had a soccer tournament this week with my eight-year-old. She played in the State Cup for SoCal. We were down in Del Mar, and on the way back, we stopped in San Juan Capistrano. And there's a gentleman from Texas who created a place called Heritage Barbecue right in Old Town, San Juan Capistrano. And it's just like that. You wait in line about an hour and 15 minutes, hour and a half. There's a little brewery right next door. They do their own beer and stuff. And, you know, $180 later, I'm getting all this barbecue and bringing it home. You know, beef rib, two pounds of brisket, all the fixings. Because, you know, it's the ASC and NFC Championship Games this weekend, right? So exactly. I want to sit there and, and hang out. And so so I, I, I found one decent place to get beef brisket, um, and it's the same, similar kind of experience. Outstanding. KP, you and I could go on forever. You always have so many great insights. I look forward to seeing you on the conference circuit in person. Hopefully we can break some bread. But thank you so much for being a guest on this episode of the FinTech Hunting Podcast. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Modernize loan pricing with lender price. The pricing engine used by many of the largest banks, credit unions, and IMBs. Lender Price's product, pricing, and eligibility engine allows lenders to better manage product and pricing for all mortgage types. The Lender Price platform provides lenders with a modern and proven solution that is cost effective. The latest technology with full mobile functionality, a highly configurable user interface, automated workflows, fast and accurate pricing with zero downtime, and robust capital market support, including advanced margin management and automated base price creation to help control cost. Request a demo today to see why lenders are replacing their legacy pricing engines with the most modern and proven PPE in lending. Check out Lender Price today. Founded in 2007, B-Smarty powers 25 billion plus in digital mortgages every month for the world's largest lenders and brands by delivering on its mission to make digital mortgages powerfully simple for consumers, borrowers, and referral partners. B-Smarty's digital mortgage solutions deliver automation of data and processes to achieve maximum operational efficiencies, a modern consumer experience that customers will trust and an innovative white label native mobile app across retail, consumer direct, and wholesale lenders. B-Smarty remains focused on its vision to deliver a seven-day mortgage close partner with B-Smarty and join over 150 lenders who rely on B-Smarty to achieve a fast, easy, and transparent digital mortgage. Check out B-Smarty today. FinTech Hunting is brought to you by Next Level Advisors. Next Level Advisors, where businesses come to grow. 
As a dedicated relationship builder, Love & Tacos Media strives to create recruitment processes for the mortgage industry that reflect and respects the human experience. Yes, tacos are included. Check out Love & Tacos Media today to get the right people at the right place to create a win-win for all.